Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. week number three of a series called What's On Your Mind. Say that with me. What's on your mind? And it's a series surrounding all things mental health because uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And, and I love and I honor our lead pastors, Alex and Diana, for, for being intentional, making sure that we're talking about things that are relevant, what people are going through. So I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Come on. Can, do we love our pastors? Come on. Let's give them some honor. You guys are awesome. And uh, Zion is, is not a German Shepherd. He is a mini horse. Uh, and he gives me really bad allergies. And uh, that's just life. But, um, but today we're going to continue on with our mental health series. And for those that are maybe here for the first time or, or um, maybe you're tuning in for the first time, j- just to get you a little caught up. So week one, uh, Pastor Alex brought a message uh, called uh, I've Already Won. And it's really a message about removing the stigma of mental health struggles and how we can overcome them. Week number two, uh, last week he spoke about how our mental health and our soul health are synonymous. So our mental health is, is only going to be as healthy as our soul. Like, are we feeding our soul? Are we getting out of the cave? And today, really what I want to bring is, uh, is really something that I feel like I'm preaching to myself. Uh, I mentioned this in the earlier service, but this is something that I myself have been dealing with, struggling with, battling for the last maybe two to three years. Um, and it's really over the idea of being able to find rest. And uh, before anything, I just want to make this very clear. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm not a mental health counselor. I'm not I'm not a specialist when it comes to mental health. I'm a pastor, um, but I'm also a human being. So that means that I can go through a lot of the issues. Anybody who's up here, we all deal with the same things. And at least because God has been ministering this to me, I believe that I have something that, to share with all of you. And I really hope and believe uh, that someone's going to be blessed today. Someone's going to be set free. Like as I was preparing for this, without getting like extra spiritual, um, as I was preparing for this, like God really put it on my heart that there's someone in this service here today that you need to be set free and you need to find rest. So I believe in Jesus' name that you're going to get that. But if you have your Bibles, uh, why don't you turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes. As you're turning there, look to your neighbor. Tell them they look good today. Come on. Look to your other neighbor that you ignored at first and tell them you're glad to be sitting next to them. Come on. We should be encouraging in the house of God. Smile at somebody. And if you're watching online, send something in the chat. Send an emoji. Let us know where you're watching from. Send your Instagram. Meet somebody in the chat. For all you know. Right? Like, who knows what can happen, remember, right? But the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, while, you're, while you're turning there, just to give a little bit of context here. So it's found in the Old Testament, and it's written by King Solomon. So King Solomon was King David's son. He, he ruled over Israel and Judah and Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that King Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. See, in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 3, the Bible tells us that God basically gave King Solomon a blank check. He said, whatever you want, you can get it. He was like, you can have whatever you like. Like, he, 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 he said, whatever you want, you can get it. And King Solomon didn't ask for anything physical. He didn't ask for anything materialistic. He just said, Lord, give me the understanding and the wisdom to lead your people well. And because of that, God not only gave him all the wealth in the world, but he also said, now you are the wisest man who have ever lived and no one after you will be as wise. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is because as we read this, let's put, let's, let's put everything into context. And this isn't just someone writing their opinion. This isn't someone just writing a, a headline. This is the wisest man who has ever lived 
writing to, to God's people. See, the purpose of, of the book of Ecclesiastes was to impart wisdom into God's people and to also take us on the journey of the meaning of life. So we're gonna, pick, we're gonna be picking up in Ecclesiastes chapter four. We're gonna be reading, and we're only gonna read one verse, just one verse, very simple, very short, but very profound. And, and at least in my Bible, the heading for, for where this verse is found is called um, the loneliness of wealth and endless work. And in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse six, it says, better one handful with rest. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just like, let's just like, let's stop right there, right? Better one handful with rest than two handfuls with effort and a pursuit of the wind. Better one handful with rest than two handfuls with effort and a pursuit of the wind. Another translation says that better one hand with tranquility than two hands with calamity and a chasing after the wind. Imagine that. Anybody here been, ever been able to grab wind? <laughs> you can't do it. So it's that constant struggle, that constant grind. And I truly believe that in, in, in this, this verse that we just read, this for me at least, this is something that I've like etched on my heart over the last two to three years. This is a verse I constantly remember, I constantly go back to um, because this is a way that God wants us to live. Again, better one handful with rest than two handfuls with effort and a pursuit of the wind. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. I'm going to share a little bit of my story and uh, we're going to worship God one more time. But before we do, let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads and let's ask God to bless this time. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace. God, we thank you for your mercy. And God, we thank you that we get to worship you, God. Jesus, we thank you that you want to give us a true rest. Jesus, you want to give us rest to our minds, rest to our soul, rest to our hearts, to our spirit, to our bodies, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for anybody here under the sound of my voice that maybe they feel restless, Jesus. That God, that you would give them rest. That Father, you would remind them that they are called for more, God. That they are, they are planned and they are, they are commissioned for a purpose, Jesus, Jesus. That they are alive today, God, because you have a plan for them. May they be reminded of your goodness and your grace. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, and all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. And I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but if you're writing notes, the title of my message is Living on Empty. But uh, I don't know if it's hard to tell, but uh, I'm a millennial. Uh, So that means I was, I was raised in a generation, like really just raised on technology. Like I was, I was a part of the highlight part of millennials, meaning that we, we got the good internet, like not that AOL three megabits per second. Like we got at least like 12 to 24. We were able to watch a video in less than a half hour. Anybody, anybody remember those days when it was dial up internet? It's wild. Now we got like, like a gigabyte per second. Like it's like the internet will already find what you want before you even finish searching it. That's for me, that's, that's wild. But because of that, I was raised in this era, in this era of technology. Um, I became technologically savvy. Um, and because of that, and I'm sure we all, if we pull out our phones right now, majority of us will say we love Apple products. So that means we have an iPhone or we have an Apple watch or for me, I'm, I, I love, I love the company. I have an Apple ecosystem at home. And if you, are Samsung based and you have an Android, I'm going to be praying for you. Uh, so, but all that to say is that I'm, I'm pretty proficient when it comes to computers. I'm not saying this to boast. It's just, you know, I, I'm pretty aware. Like whenever my mom's computers would break down when, when I was younger, I was the one to, to fix them. And uh, with that being said, I have a firm grasp on how computers operate and how they work. So a few weeks ago, uh, it, was, it was a little bit of a busier day. It was a day that I had to do a lot of admin work, a lot of office work. I was actually preparing for a meeting I was going to have with Pastor Alex because like, you know, <laughs> I got to be prepared. You got to be responsible, right? You got to do the whole thing. 
And um, as I was preparing, I was researching a couple things for like uh, our, our equipment that we use for online church, like how other churches are doing it. I was researching how other pastors, how they, how they have their team organized. I was, I was looking up a bunch of things. I had about 30 tabs open on Google Chrome, which if you know anything about Google Chrome, it can operate pretty well on 30 tabs, right? But at the same time, I'm also editing a quick video so I can present and then, and then also trying to watch a video, like a tutorial on how to edit said video. And what's funny is that my computer started getting to that point where it starts breathing really hard. Like, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, when out of nowhere, like, where, when did you out of nowhere get a fan that you're just going, like, it, it, it started getting pretty loud. I didn't care. Business is business. You got to keep it moving. So then from there, I keep on, I keep on using the laptop. Again, I have, I'm doing my research. I'm using Microsoft Excel, trying to put in some numbers to get statistics and all that. And then I'm, I'm messaging our online campus leaders. I'm messaging like Norma, I'm Norma, I'm sorry, Norman and Anna. <laughs> Not Norman, sorry, you're Norman. Uh, I'm, I'm messaging them, hey, we have this service coming up. Make sure to schedule. I'm sending an email. All, all that to say, my laptop was like at its, at its peak and it basically just shuts down. And, uh, for like a quick two minutes of my life, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, please don't tell me like my laptop is broken. Don't tell me that it, it's, it's not, it's not going to work anymore. And, and at first I tried, you know, the, the normal stuff. You press the power button, wasn't turning on. I disconnected the, 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 the charger, wasn't turning on. I'm like, oh my, oh geez, how am I going to go to Koyaso? How am I going to tell him like, hey, I need a new laptop. It's, it's not going to end up pretty. And it even got to the point where I started doing the old school way, like the way we fixed things back in the nineties. Like I just, just started tapping it. I was like, hey, work. And my laptop was hot. Like, it was, it was basically burning. It was like, it, I could have ironed something on it. That's how hot it was. But when, when my laptop finally did turn on, by the grace of God, um, I, I went ahead and I looked up what's called a crash report, which will tell you why it was struggling and why it turned off. And as I'm going through the crash report, it says that the central processing unit, which is the CPU, which is essentially the brain of the computer, was operating, it was operating too much over its capacity. It was exceeding its capacity for too long, all the way to the point where the laptop just said, hey, I need to stop and I can't continue anymore and it shut down. And I say that because a lot of us right now is that we're living our lives the same way that I worked out my laptop that day, that we are exceeding our capacity. We are exceeding our capacity when it comes to our mental strength, our emotional capacity, our spiritual capacity. We are going on and on and on and on. And the signs are coming up. Are like, for example, like applications were shutting down as I was still working on the laptop. And we find ourselves some days that we're just, we feel like we're about to freak out. We feel like we're about to lose it. We find ourselves some days where we see the signs where we're not as forgiving as normal, where we're not as graceful as normal, getting on a phone call with a friend or a loved one is stressful to you, all to the point where we have those moments in our life where we basically shut down and we live our lives living on empty. We live our lives doing too much. We, right now, we live in such a, such a busy world. Like, I've tried to remove this from my, from my language, but every time I say hi to somebody, those are, those are for like a good six months of my life about a year ago. If someone asks me, hey, how are you? In passing, I'll say, yeah, I'm doing great. Just busy. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm very sure there are, there, are, there are some people here today that if someone asks you, how are you doing? You're going to tell them, I'm doing okay. I'm just busy. Just busy, busy, busy. Just grinding. Just hustling. There's someone in here today that you are living your life on empty. There's someone in here today that you are adding more and more to your plate. We live in a culture where we're told that if we're not doing, we're failing. If we're not, if we're not chasing this new thing, if we're not going towards this new thing, if we're not hustling to, to build up our business and to, and to strive for more, then we're failing. And I will tell you this much. 
God did not put you on earth to work to exhaust yourself. God doesn't have, God's purpose for your life should not leave you depleted. It should not leave you living on empty. So God has so much more for you. And that thought and that lie of if you're not doing, you're failing. As I just said, it is a lie from the pit of hell. Our schedules are, are nonstop. For example, there's probably someone in here today where we're in church right now. And you're already, you're thinking about, I got a meal prep as soon as I get home. <laughs> you're already thinking about what you're going to eat tomorrow. Like there's a lot of, there's, there's a, there's a parent in here today. I'm, and I guarantee this, there's a parent in here today that you're already thinking about tomorrow. So you're already thinking about your week. Your week is already full to the brim. So Monday you have to like throughout the day on Monday through Friday, you have to work your nine to five, right? Or whatever your hours are, work a full-time job. Then by nighttime, you got to take your kids to football practice on a Monday. Then on Tuesday, you have a dinner schedule with a cousin that you haven't talked to in months. Then on Wednesday, you have meetings on meetings on meetings on meetings. So you work overtime. Then on Thursday, you have, you have a baby shower that someone just invited you to out of nowhere. Then on Friday, you're again, you have meetings after meetings after meetings. You get ready for the weekend. And then from there, you got to take your kids to uh, guitar lessons or ballet practice, whatever it is, your schedule is not stopping. Then on Saturday, what are you doing? You got to go to brunch. You got to go to brunch in the morning for this person's birthday. Then you got to go to lunch in the afternoon because you haven't seen your mom in three weeks. Our schedules are non-stop. We're, we're living on empty. We're, we're, and, and maybe, maybe you're one of those people that, that maybe you don't do as much, like in the sense of like, you're not, your schedule isn't necessarily that jam packed with actual physical activity with that type of labor. But what happens is this, is that we, we work our full time, right? But as soon as we get home, what do we do? We go on TikTok, we go on Instagram, we go on Facebook, we go on Twitter, we do all these things. So we're there from, from, we go, we go to work from nine to five. We drive an hour to get back home because 826 has traffic. I-95 has traffic. The turnpike has traffic. 874 has traffic. Every highway in Miami, Florida and South Florida has traffic. And that already leaves us drained. And then by the time we get home, we we don't even have the energy to want to cook anymore. So we end up getting McDonald's or we end up getting fast food and probably something that's not really that healthy. We snack throughout the day because we barely have time to even feed ourselves. And then what do we do? We go on Instagram. And I don't know about you, but Instagram doesn't leave me encouraged. <laughs> like, and look, I'm not trying to knock social media. I, I love, I, me personally, I love Instagram because I love memes. I commun- I'm a millennial. I communicate in memes. Like, that's, like the be- that's the only reason why I have it. But Instagram is a tool that we're meant to use. But unfortunately, social media uses us. And we've allowed social media, we've allowed the culture, we've allowed everyone else to basically use us and leave us living on empty. Living on empty. See, I've heard this before and we've said it here even on platform that comparison is the thief of joy. I, I can imagine, just, just hear me out, I can imagine there's a mom in here today that last week, you, in your eyes, you had the best Mother's Day. You came to church, you, you were able to spend time with your kids, you went to brunch, it was amazing, you went to Tap 42 and got some really good brunch, or you went to, you know, you went to First Watch, their eggs Benedict is amazing, by the way, but either way, you went and had brunch, you had the best day ever. But then around 4 p.m., you go on Instagram and you see somebody else is basically throwing a block party for their mom. And out of nowhere, you automatically hate everything that happened that day. Your day, you're like, man, today sucked. Like, am I right or am I wrong? And then what happens is that we become so emotionally drained 
And then you become so bitter towards those that didn't gift you as well as you saw someone else get gifted that you're no longer even emotionally available for your loved ones. That you're, there's a mom in here today that you're not even emotionally available for your child. There's a dad in here today that you are working two jobs for no reason, for no reason whatsoever, just because you want to be able to attain a lifestyle that someone else has, even though they started from somewhere else. But yet you're no longer emotionally available for your kids. When's the last time you just took them to the park? When's the last time you were able to just play with your kids and while you're home with your kids, you didn't just give them a tablet and tell them to be quiet? We're living our lives on empty. And all of this is because we keep on doing and doing and doing and doing and adding and adding and getting more stress and more stress, exposing ourselves to more things and more things, all the while neglecting the ability and the, the priority in finding rest. We're living our lives on empty. See, the thing is that when we, when we neglect to to, to do this, to, to do rest, right? Because rest is actually, it's, it's, a, it's a verb, right? It's something that we actually do. When we, when, we, when we neglect to find rest, what ends up happening is we cause long-term damage in incremental, and in, 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 in really in increments where maybe you don't feel it right now. The signs are there. The signs are there, but you neglect it because it's, hey, I gotta keep on going. I gotta hustle. I gotta, I gotta make sure my kids, my kids make it to the NFL because they gotta take care of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we have that all in mind. And the big problem with that, and really what I'll, what I'll say is this, like the big problem in all of this is that a life filled with restlessness leads to a life of distress. A life filled with restlessness leads to a life of distress. See, distress is not stress. Stress is good for us. Stress is what helps us grow. Stress is, is healthy stress, obviously. It, that's, that's us taking on responsibility. See, God, when he created Adam in the garden, he gave him responsibility to name the animals, to, to work the land. We need responsibility in our life. We need discipline in our lives. But distress is defined as pain or suffering affecting the body, a bodily part, or the mind. And I will venture off to say that it's not only just the mind, but our soul. That distress leads us living on empty in every area of our life because we're exposed to so much. Again, maybe you're not physically working. Maybe, you know, you're physically rested, right? Maybe you slept your eight hours and that's great. But when you wake up in the morning, your thoughts are running rampant. They're, they're going wild. You, you don't even know where to even start. You feel so drained the moment you even wake up. You just went to bed maybe at midnight after being on Instagram for three hours to then wake up at 6 a.m. to then drive down I-95 for an hour to get to work. That leaves you more drained than ever. We're living on empty. We're living on empty. And because we live in the age of information, it's even at a point where we don't even know what to believe anymore. Right? Do I get the vaccine or do I don't? Like, <laughs> am I right? Like, do I, do I wear a mask or don't I? Do I invest in Dogecoin or do I not? Which, I mentioned this earlier. I'm not a financial analyst, but it's going to the moon. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> like, that's the reality of, of where we're going. And, and while, yes, our mobile devices are meant to actually help us out, like, there's actually really good applications that you can use to get structure in your life. What happens is that we're becoming enslaved to it. We're becoming enslaved to everything around us. And, and what it's doing is, again, it's draining us and leaving us restless. 
Actually, as I was studying for today, I, I looked up a couple of, a couple of statistics um, when it comes to our cell phone use and when it comes to this overexposure that we allow ourselves in. And one of the things I came to find that in an article that was published in February of this year, so it's relatively, it's relatively new, is that the average United States adult spends three hours and 43 minutes a day on their mobile device. Three hours and 43 days... Like, I mean, three, three hours and 43 minutes a day on your mobile device. Like, and how that adds up is up to, is up to 50 days in a year. So that, that much a day can lead up to 50 days in a year. That's a month and a half of your life on your phone. That's a month and a half of your life that basically was robbed from you, that really did not build you up, and I'm certain of that. That it left you more drained, more depressed, more envious, more jealous, more unforgiving, more bitter. Then before you, I met, just like, just hear me out. Because I'm the type of person where like, it, I, I think of opportunity cost. It's an economic term where basically is how much is it going to cost to not do this so I can do this. And let's just think about it this way. In that month and a half, which is about six weeks, let's say if we took out two of those weeks to actually rest, like to actually find rest, two weeks of that month and a half, I, I would venture on to say that that two weeks of rest would leave us so fueled and so ready for that extra month of time to be able to invest it in ourselves, in our families, in our work, in our time with God, in every area of our life. Another statistic, this was actually, uh, this was actually reported by Indeed. So before I was on staff here at church, I used to work as a healthcare recruiter. So I would use these different hiring companies to be able to find people to, 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 to go through resumes, the whole thing. So Indeed reputable uh, company. So they reported that 52% of adults are experiencing a condition called burnout. And, and I will say this, I, I, I will venture to say that that's 52% of adults that reported it, that actually got a definition of what burnout is and said, and were bold enough to say, yes, this is what I'm going through. I will venture on to say there's a, a, there's a way higher number of people that are dealing with that today, whether they, whether they bring it up or not. And, and burnout, right? So the definition of burnout is a state of emotional, mental, and physical exhaustion that is brought upon by long periods of constant, unrelenting stress. And it renders you feeling worn out and miserable. It renders you feeling worn out and miserable. I'm sure there's some people in here today that you thought these were going to be the best years of your life. <laughs> You thought, you thought, you know, now that I have kids or now that I'm in my 30s, I'm finally going to live, I'm going to be living my best life. And, and, but yet, you feel burnt out from all the doing that you have been doing, from all the striving, all the work without getting any rest. So while you should be the happiest, right now you feel worn out and miserable. See, and a big reason why that happens and a big reason why we struggle so much is because, again, we're, we're overexposing ourselves. We're, we're allowing the stress and the busyness of life to wait, to weigh on us, to hold us down, to continue to add to our plate. We're living on empty. And the thing is, God did not create us to live this way. God did not create us to, to know the, the, the sorrows and the burdens of, of a different nation across the world. While, yes, we are supposed to carry each other's burdens, that's amazing and that's great. And we should have a heart for our neighbor no matter where they're at. But at the end of the day, being here in Miami, Florida, you were not created to worry about every other country in the world and every problem that they go through, every act of social injustice. We were not created to carry that. And a lot of times we put, the, we put this weight on our shoulders and we put this on ourselves where we think we need to be the savior of the world, where we need to be 
Superman or Superwoman. We need to be a hero. But I want to remind you today that we are not the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is the one that can carry the weight. He is the one that is strong enough. He is the one that knows everything. See, we need, to, we need to really take heed to what the Apostle Paul, when he's writing the, the church of Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he's, he's writing them really from the perspective of them approaching him like, hey, we have freedom, right? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, the Apostle Paul writes, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So maybe, yeah, you do have a little extra time on your calendar and on your schedule to be able to start your own business or do all, and, 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 and go ahead and, and maybe take up a new venture and all these different things. But is it going to be beneficial? Will it be constructive? Again, all things are permissible, but not all things are constructive. And we keep on adding and adding and doing and doing and keep on stressing and stressing. And we're living on empty and what we're doing is we need to slow down our pace of life we need to slow our lives down we need to simplify our lives because what it's doing is it's killing us from the inside out we need to rest really if there's anything that you get from today like my big point here is that rest can sometimes be the most spiritual and beneficial thing that we do rest True rest can be sometimes the most spiritual and beneficial thing that we do. And I really think it's important that we get a clear definition of what rest, true rest is. Because a lot of us are like, maybe you're here and you're hearing this and you're thinking, I mean, I sleep seven hours easy. <laughs> like, I'm good. I can sleep no problem. As soon as I lay down in bed, I'm down. See, see rest is not just sleeping. Rest is, you know, and even that, you could probably still sleep seven, eight hours a day, but still feel restless as soon as you wake up. See, rest is defined to position oneself at ease in order to relieve or avoid fatigue and stress. It's to put yourself in a posture to, so that you can relieve yourself of, of, of fatigue and stress. A lot of us need to find rest. A lot of us are doing so much and we're not taking out the time to rest. And really what I want to share with you is something that I read a couple years ago in a book by Pastor Wayne Cordero. He pastors a church in Hawaii. And this is, this is something that I actually wrote down in my notepad on my phone. I have like three different notes with it because every time it just always comes up. And I want to, I want to, I want to share this with somebody here today that rest is not a sin. Rest is not a sin. Like one more time, rest is not a sin. It doesn't mean that you're lazy. It doesn't mean that you're not contributing anything. It doesn't mean that you are, you are not productive. Rest is not a sin. See, rest is actually modeled for us in the creation story where God, where God when he created the, the earth and the heavens and, and, and the land and, and the animals and everything. Let's go back to the creation story in Genesis chapter 2. It tells us that by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he what? He what? He rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He, he created the Sabbath. And, be, and because on it, he what? Rested. One more time. He, he rested from all the work of creating he had done. God models rest for us. So let's not think that we're more powerful than God. Because if God gets rest, then better believe we need rest. Because we're not all powerful. 
We're not almighty. He is. But yet he's trying to show us a pattern and a way to live our lives. And that is to find rest. Because a lot of us right now, we are living on empty. See, rest, the reason why I say it's one of the most spiritual things we can do is because, honestly, rest is a, is a trust thing. It's basically saying, God, I trust you to carry out your work and do whatever you got to do, even when I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Right? There's that song, Waymaker, that even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're Because he never stops, he never stops. So that means we can rest. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that means we can rest. I love how the psalmist in Psalm chapter 46, he writes that where God, he's basically saying that God talking to him says to be still and know that I am God. Be still. I want to encourage somebody in here today to be still. Like take a deep breath, you know, be still and know that he is God. Get rest because he can carry out all the work. Let's trust him in that. But again, rest is a posture. Rest is a posture that we get in. And, and really what I found in the scripture and really what I want to share with everyone here is four different, four different steps, four different things that we can do, that we can learn how, that we need to learn and that we need to implement so that we can get into this posture of rest. And the first thing that we need to learn and that we need to implement is we need to receive. Say that with me, receive. See, a lot of us, we're so good at doing, we're so good at giving like a lot of us are really, really good at giving encouragement, really, really good at giving our time, our finances, our resources, our emotions to other people, but we do a poor job at being able to receive it. We're the best friend for anybody who calls us, but we can't allow somebody to be a friend to us. We do a great job at doing this, just, just pouring out, just giving, just pouring out our cup, pouring, just, just pouring out everything we have in us but we do a poor job at being poured into. And maybe you're in here today and, and, and that's something that you struggle with. It's okay, I do too. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm really good at giving encouragement and complimenting people, but I do a really poor job at receiving it. Like, Pastor Diana, on Tuesdays, we have staff meeting and we usually give out shout outs. And whenever someone gives me a shout out, like, I just tense up and Pastor Diana is one of those people that's constantly reminding me, hey, say thank you. <laughs> like, just, just, just receive it. Just receive it. My wife is someone else that she, she'll look at me and she'll be like, boy, you looking, you looking good. You looking like a whole snack. And I, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, um, and honestly, I'll just, I'll just tense up and just look around like <laughs> meat. <laughs> and she'll just, she'll straight up tell me, say thank you. Receive the compliment. See, a lot of us are so easy at just, again, just giving and giving and giving and giving and we're living on empty and we're not receiving anything back in. See, in, in, in the society that we live in in America, right? We, li- we live in a capitalist country, so that means that you have to earn what you get. You have to pay for what you get, right? You, you have to earn what you deserve. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in God's economy, that's not how it works. In God's economy, there's grace. And in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, it says... That whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. That those who bless others will themselves be blessed. But the problem is that we don't, while we're the ones that are watering and blessing, we don't allow ourselves to be enriched. We're doing a lot of this. Again, this is our, this is our, say this is our, this is our posture. We're doing a lot of this, when in reality, we need to do this. And we're not allowing our lives to be filled up 
We're not allowing our lives to receive the, the, the spiritual, the emotional, the mental nourishment that we need. And then we're living on empty. Maybe today you're here, maybe one of the first things that you need to receive or that you need to learn to receive is grace. See, grace is defined as God's unmerited favor over you. So while, yes, there are some things that we need to work towards and we need to strive for and we need to get better at and we need to grow at, at the end of the day, there are also some things that are just given, just given freely. Learn how to receive God's grace. The Bible tells us that his grace goes behind you, goes in front of you, and surrounds you. Rest in that grace. Give yourself grace. If you're 30 years old right now and you're single, that's okay. Don't put pressure on yourself to settle for someone you don't need to be with. If you're 25 years old and you're in college and that's amazing, keep on studying. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for higher education. But don't put that pressure on yourself that you need to have your life figured out. If you don't own a house by 29 years old, that's perfectly fine. Give yourself grace. Learn how to receive. Learn grace. Learn how to receive a day off. So I've been working. I've had, I got my first job when, when I was 12 years old. So pretty much around the time my dad passed away, I've been working ever since. The longest I've ever been without work is about three weeks. And that was honestly by choice and that was still a struggle. So for, all, for the last 17 years of my life, I have been working nonstop. Vacation time is foreign to me. I don't, I don't know what that is. So last year during the pandemic, when we were all on lockdown and strictly online, when we launched our online campus, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of learning. It was a lot of doing. It was like trying to figure it all out as we went. So it was a lot of long days, a lot of long hours, a long, a long weeks. Like it was, it was pretty intense. All to the point where Pastor Alex and Diana straight up told me in August, hey, um, don't come to church. Take a week off. Like take some time. Be with your wife. Like take some. And for me, I, it was hard to receive the day off, let alone a week. <laughs> it was hard for me to receive that sense of rest. Like we were gone for a week. And by the time it was time to come back home, me and my wife, like, it was on, on the last day where I finally got into that posture. I'm like, okay, now I don't have to worry about anything. And it's like, oh man, I got to drive back home. <laughs> learn how to receive. Learn how to receive a day off. Learn how, like, learn how to receive grace over your life. Because the thing is that when we live on empty, these, these areas of our lives that were once privileges, that were, that were once blessings can easily become a burden and become a pest in our life because we're living on empty and we don't have the emotional, the mental, or the spiritual capacity to continue operating in that. And we end up like my laptop and we shut down. So the first thing is received. The second thing that we need to learn that we need to implement in our life is examine. We need to examine our lives. We need to really just, I would encourage you to do this, is get a, get a piece of paper, get a notebook, open up an Excel sheet, whatever it takes, and literally write down every area of your life. You're, what do you do? Do you work? Do you have a second job? Do you drive Uber? I don't know. Whatever, whatever it is that you do. Like your family time, your, if you're married, the time with your spouse, all these different areas in your life, write it all down. Examine your life. How are you spending your time? Are you spending three or four hours a day on Instagram or TikTok? Are you not taking out time to, to, to take care of your physical health? Are you leaving yourself emotionally drained? Do you feel burned out because of work and the second job that you took up for no reason? Examine, you have to really ask yourself those hard questions. And, and here's the thing, those, the, I don't say this lightly because it is, it is hard. Like it's very, it's very confronting to, to really ask like, how am I doing? <laughs> but we need to examine our lives. We need to ask ourselves, how am I doing emotionally? Am I spending time with my children? 
Am I spending time with my family? And when I am spending time with them, am I on my phone throughout the time? Or if I am spending time with them, do I even have the emotional capacity to be able to have a conversation with them? We need to examine our lives. We need to see, like, what is it that we're doing? And then question it and see, is it in line with God's will for my life? See, I love how the prophet Jeremiah says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40, he says, let us examine our ways and test them. And let, and let us return to the Lord. Because God's plan for your life does not involve you being exhausted. His plan for your life does not involve you feeling like everything is a burden. His plan for your life is not you living on empty. So examine your life. Question everything and see, is it in line with what God has for me? See, what is it that you do that actually fills you up? Like, what's a hobby that you do that, that leaves you feeling, you know what? Today was a good day. What is it? You have to ask yourself those questions. When in November, me and my wife, we both tested positive for coronavirus. And it was honestly the hardest two weeks ever. Like I, I was beat up in every way possible. Um, like for an entire week, I, I couldn't, I didn't even have the energy to want to eat. Like I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, even if I wanted to, I had, I had nothing in me. But as much as it did to me physically, it wrecked me mentally. And emotionally, so much to the point where, like, I think it was on Thanksgiving or the day after, I shaved my head. <laughs> like, I pulled a Britney Spears in 07, I just got a clipper and I just went for it. <laughs> like, I, I had a breakdown. <laughs> yeah, just, just straight up, just with a razor. I come out of the bathroom, my wife's like, what just happened? I'm like, don't even ask. But I say that because during that time, I, I really started asking those questions. And I was examining my life and I realized I don't have any, I didn't have any hobbies. I wasn't doing anything that was leaving me um, just filled outside of work. You know, like obviously when you, when you do something that you love and you have passion for, you feel fulfilled in doing it. But outside of that, outside of any obligations, there was nothing I was doing. So then I picked up, I picked up golf. <laughs> and uh, as frustrating as it is, because I'm a competitive person and I'm not really that great. Although, give me, give me a few weeks, I'll be better. But, but that's one of the things that I had to add to my repertoire. That's one of the things that I, I said, you know what, this is worth me adding to my life because if not, then I'm going to continue living on empty. Self-awareness is key. We need to ask ourselves, how am I feeling today? What are my thought patterns today? And I say this not in a bad way, but hear me out. When you examine yourself and you ask yourself that question, how you're doing, don't just think because you're having a bad day that you're dealing with depression. Like, go see a clinical psychologist. Go see someone who's a professional because self-diagnosis is basically us putting a label on ourselves and putting ourselves in a trap. So make sure when we examine ourselves, we're being real with ourselves, but at the same time, not romanticizing mental health struggles because for all you know, there's someone right next to you who is going through true depression. There is someone next to you who is going through true anxiety disorder, someone going through true OCD. So let's not romanticize this, but again, self-awareness is key. The first thing we need to do is receive. Second is examine. The third step, the third thing that we need to learn and implement in our life is sort. We need to sort our lives. In Psalm chapter 90, it says that, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Operate your life with wisdom. When you, when you sort out your life, you're putting things in order. You're allowing yourself to have a target. You're allowing yourself that when you do work, you know what you're working towards. But here's the thing, if you don't sort out your life, somebody's going to sort it for you. <laughs> because if you don't have a plan for your life, guess what? Advertisers have a plan for your life. 
corporations have a plan for your life. Instagram has a plan for your life. The culture has a plan for your life. So if you don't sort out your life, it will get sorted for you. We have to, like, we have to just, again, just write down every area of our life and see, like, what is essential, what is not. Like, what, how am I spending my time? And I say that because if you aim at nothing, you're going to be plagued by everything. If you aim at nothing, you'll be plagued by everything. If you don't know a goal that you're working towards, then everything just feels like it's crumbling on you. And then we continue to live our life on empty. We keep on doing at our own expense and living our lives depleted, angry, bitter, envious, just just irritable, just all these different negative emotions that we just carry with us because we're living on empty. So the first thing is, again, receive. Second is examine. Third is sort. Fourth is we need to trim. You got you to trim the non-essentials from your life. It's, uh, when it, when it, if you go to a butcher, you ask them to trim the fat because you want the healthy part of the steak or the healthy part of whatever piece of meat that you're eating. And if you're vegan, then I don't know, I don't know how that applies to you. But <laughs> trim the lentils, I don't know. Like, <laughs> uh, why did I say that? But, <laughs> but you gotta trim the non-essentials in your life. Like, let's go back to that, to that verse we read earlier. Again, in Ecclesiastes chapter four, better one handful with rest than two handfuls with effort and a pursuit of the wind like maybe right now isn't the time to start a new business and, and there's nothing wrong with working there's nothing wrong with trying to, to, to want to strive for that there's nothing wrong with being an entrepreneur there's nothing wrong with that but again maybe right now is not the time because you still don't even have the mental capacity to have a conversation with a loved one that you don't even have the emotional capacity to get romantic with your spouse hello because you just feel so drained by the time you get home Maybe right now is not the time to invest. Maybe it's not. Maybe you just need to like invest in your marriage. <laughs> you need to invest in yourself. You need to invest in your marriage, like in every area of your life. Because again, we keep on doing and we keep on adding more to our plate, but not everything is necessary. Not everything is necessary. Maybe you don't need to say yes to that baby shower you got invited to of that person you barely know. Maybe you do not need to say yes to, to taking up, I don't know, salsa classes right now. Like, well, shout out to Juan. He, he told me yesterday he's taking salsa classes. <laughs> Maybe right now is not the time to, sp- to spend all your money and your time on HBO Max or Hulu or whatever streaming service to catch up on a new, on a new show. Maybe it's just time to, to be still and know that he has got to get rest for your life. Because when you, when you trim out the non-essentials, when you trim out all these areas in your life that really they don't need to be there right now, what you do is you create margin for yourself. You create margin so that you can, you can begin to receive it and you begin to, to, to carry on this cycle, of what, this, what I call the cycle of rest, right? So again, what's the, what's the cycle? It starts off with receiving. Then we go on to an examining. Then we go on to sorting. And then we trim. 
But that's not a one-time thing. That's a continual thing that we need to work towards, that we need to constantly learn how to receive. We need to constantly learn how to examine. We need to constantly sort out our life. We need to constantly trim out the non-essentials because God has so much for you. God doesn't want you to live on empty. God doesn't want you to live bitter. God doesn't want to have you to live exhausted. God does not want you to live living on empty. God doesn't want you to live in a way where everything is a burden. Because he has so much more for you. His promises are our yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So if it's not coming right now, guess what? It will come to pass. Philippians 1.6 says that he will carry out the good work in which he has started. So we need to trust him as we rest. Again, it is the most spiritual and beneficial thing that we can do. And if we can all just stand up to our feet. We're going to close up right now. I went way over time again. But I really feel there's someone in here today that you, you feel restless. That there's someone in here today that you are living on empty. That no matter what, what you do, you feel like it's not enough. That no, like you're, you're just, you feel, you feel captive to the, to the hustle. You feel captive to the struggle. And you're constantly doing, but yet you haven't even asked your spouse how they're doing in a couple of weeks. And you feel like you're living on empty. So if I can ask, if we can all just close our eyes and bow our heads. If that's you here today and you feel like you are living on empty, what I want to do is I want to pray for you. I want to pray that Jesus will give you the rest that your soul needs, that your mind needs, that your body needs. Jesus says that all you who are weary, come to me and take up my yoke. Basically, let him be your spotter. Because it's not burdensome and it is light. And he will give you the rest that you desire and that you need. So with the eyes still closed and the head still bowed, if that's you here today and you, you want me to include you in a prayer, I'm going to ask on the count of three, if you can put your hand right up, you can put it right back down. But if that's you and you say, I need rest for my soul, pray for me. On, one, on three, put it up. One, two, three. If that's you, you can put your hand right up. Amen, 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 amen. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much, God. We thank you for your grace and goodness. Lord, we thank you for... For, your, for, for just your faithfulness, God. Jesus, I pray for every person, God, under the sound of my voice, God, that raised their hand, and even those that, that didn't, God, that need rest. Lord, Lord, I pray that you would give them the rest that they need. That, Jesus, that they would learn to receive, that they would examine their lives, God, that they would sort out every area, God, that they would trim out the non-essentials, Lord. That, Jesus, that they would just gain such a level of trust in you, Jesus, that you will do what you said you will do, God. That you would carry the burden of life that you would carry their weight, Jesus. Lord, I pray that as they sleep tonight, they would have the sleepest sweet of their life. That God, they wouldn't no longer feel captive to just the hustle and constantly, and constantly doing God, but instead they will learn to rest, Jesus. That they would be revitalized, that their spirit will be revitalized, Jesus. That their mind will be put to rest, Jesus that their thoughts wouldn't go rampant, that they wouldn't go crazy, Lord, that they instead, Lord, they can find rest in you. So, Jesus, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do, Jesus, and we thank you that you are faithful in all of this, Lord. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, I want to pray for another group of people. Maybe you heard this today and and for some reason you're here at church, right? You got invited or you just felt something was pulling you here, was, was tugging at your heart while, as you heard this. And 
and you hear that you want to receive rest, you want to receive this rest in your mind, you want to receive this rest in your soul, and you want to receive, but maybe the first thing you need to receive is that free gift of forgiveness that Jesus gives. That free gift that he will take off all your shame, all that condemnation, and he will give you the rest your soul needs. So with eyes still closed and heads still bowed all across this auditorium, this is really a moment of reverence. I want to give somebody an opportunity. See, the Bible tells us that we all have fallen short of God's standard, that we all have sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned, we all. There's not a single perfect person here today. But God is so holy that he turns away from sin. He can't be around sin. So sin separates us from God. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for sin, to, to die for our sins, to really take up the sins of the world, my sin, your sin, everyone's sin. And he died a gruesome death on a cross. He gave himself up for you and for me. And all we have to do is profess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord. And then we can receive that free gift of, of, of forgiveness and we will be saved. We will spend eternity in paradise with him. And if that's you here today and you want to receive that free gift, what I'm going to do is I'm, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up and you can put it right back down. Don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to acknowledge who I'm praying for right now. And if that's you today, and you want to receive that free gift of forgiveness from Jesus, and you want to receive him in your heart, on the count of three, put your hand up. One, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same. Three, if that's you, you can put your hand right up. You can put it right back down. Amen. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. 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 And with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, if that's you here, today, if you made that decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in a prayer. It's not a prayer to a pastor, not a prayer to a church. It's a, it's a prayer to God. It's a conversation with him. I just want to facilitate this one and make it as easy as possible. And because we're a family, we're all going to say it together. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I am healed, I am forgiven, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I love you, and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give a round of applause for everybody? decision here today amen so good and if you made that decision we actually have a free gift for you and uh, thank you so much amy so it's going to be this bible really it's good it's free 99 it's our gift from us so you're going to see a bunch of people as you walk out uh with in our connect tent you if you don't want to give any information that's perfectly fine i understand you need to build trust but don't leave out of here without this in your hands like there's notes in it there's a great way to get to know god's character by reading god's word so that you can receive the rest that he has for you so please don't leave out of here and if you're watching online go ahead and text the word decided to 33222 we'd love to get connected and send you a free bible and uh, again please don't leave out of here without this come on church can we give them a round of applause one more time amazing so i hope that blessed somebody here today i hope that as we go about our week we can find rest and that we will learn to receive examine sort and trim but we're going to leave out of here celebrating everything God has done. And before we leave, let's go ahead. And I want to pray over your week and believe that you're going to have the best week ever. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace. God, we thank you for your mercy. God, I pray for every person's week here, God, that you would bless them, Jesus. Keep them safe everywhere that they go. May they receive the best rest ever, Lord. 
Jesus going before them and behind them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.